Hello, welcome to the Wash SDG podcast, a podcast in which we will talk about water, sanitation and hygiene from different perspectives and themes. So this podcast is part of a mini-series hosted by the Wash SDG Consortium. It draws on the experience of the Wash SDG programme, which is a programme currently in implementation in various countries in Africa and Asia. It aims to contribute to the ambitious Sustainable Development Goal number 6 to ensure access to water and sanitation for all by 2030. My name is Ava Duarte-Davidson and I'm the host of this podcast. I work for Simavi, the programme lead, as Consortium Coordinator. Other partners of the consortium include the Wash Alliance International, SMV, and Plan International Netherlands. In this podcast mini-series, we invite practitioners from the field to discuss some important topics that relate to their work in WASH. Today's episode will focus on water, because as many of you know, World Water Week will be held in Stockholm next week. This is one of the key WASH events held every year, where we get the opportunity to discuss some of the global water challenges that we face. This year, the chosen theme is Building Resilience Faster. So, in line with this, we have chosen for this podcast to look into another of the key sectors, that of Integrated Water Resource Management, or IWRM, another acronym, to see how it relates to WASH and why tensions sometimes arise between the two. For this, I count on two amazing speakers. So today we have Evelyn Businge and Tamene Chaka talking to us directly from Uganda and Ethiopia. Welcome, Evelyn and Tamene, and happy World Water Week. Um, it would be great if you could introduce yourselves very quickly. Um, shall we start with Evelyn? Thank you. Um, my name's uh, Businje Evelyn. I'm a senior consultant working with the uh, Aid Environment East African Office, uh, an IWM practitioner for over 12 years. I'm uh, currently coordinating the WASH SDG project here in uh, Agago District, located in the northern part of Uganda, in the Acholi sub-region in East Africa. Brilliant. Thanks, Evelyn. Damene, um, could you give a brief, brief intro? Okay. Thank you, Eva, and uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm Tamane Chaka, working for AMREPA's WASH Alliance International uh, Country Coordinator. I have uh, WASH profession experience for more than uh, 20 years, I would say. We're working both in government, in civil society sector at uh, different capacity. Thanks, Tamene. That's, uh, that's really clear. So let's first introduce the topic. Uh, we might all be more familiar with the term water sanitation and hygiene, or WASH, than integrated water resource management, IWRM. So, Evelyn, can I ask you to briefly explain to me what IWRM is? Integrated water resources management is, is not an end, but a means and so it is uh, commonly defined as a process. And this is intended to maximize the, the, the resultant economic and social welfare in an equitable manner. And of course, without compromising uh, the sustainability of the vital systems. One of the issues we can say is uh, IWM basically helps us to achieve you know, the efficiency to make water resources go as far as possible and making them reliable and safe. That's really clear. <clears throat> Thank you, Evelyn. Tamene, uh, forgive me for asking, but based on um, the description of IWRM that Evelyn just gave us, both sectors seem really interlinked. And yet there's often tension between the two when we talk about water. Why is that? There is a lack of awareness in the linkage between WASH and IWRM. The WASH people or the WASH practitioners focus more on providing really the immediate need of the communities fixing the problem as uh, a result of drinking dirty water and people are suffering uh, of uh, waterborne diseases. 
-hmm. And there is also a limited knowledge of the natural resource available in the catchment of the basin. Even though uh, there are some professionals aware of uh, the need to work on both, but uh, there is limited knowledge what really actual water resource available in that area. Uh, the priorities also differ. If you see, uh, as I've aforementioned, WASH only focus on provision of water services and improving health condition of the communities, while IWRM involves a lot of more sectors. Thanks, Tamene. So, if I'm understanding correctly, it's a case of who accesses water and for what purpose. So, in, in the case of WASH, the aim is to improve health and contribute to poverty alleviation through the access of water, sanitation, hygiene. In the case of IWRM, it's more a focus on a larger scale to serve a multitude of sectors, including the energy sector and agriculture, just as examples. Uh, is there a way to integrate these? Evelyn, any thoughts on that? Yes, uh, 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 for me, I would really want to make emphasis on the mere fact that WASH and uh, integrated water resources management, they are inherently intertwined. I, I look at it uh, in different phases. When, um, for example, you, you, you locate a latrine upstream of a water source, that latrine is going to contaminate the water for the rest of the users downstream. So, so usually such kind of scenarios really call for this kind of ensuring that you integrate the planning. So people come in and then usually such kind of uh, a case, they advise that maybe the, the, the latrine can be located elsewhere because for the water source, you might not be able to, 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 to shift it. When you look at, for example, groundwater extraction for irrigation, this is likely to impact on drinking water availability. So when such kind of sectors work in silos, then you're having trouble in the long run. When you look at settlements upstream clearing vegetation for construction and agriculture, they end up reducing the ability of that landscape to percolate more water and ensure the hydrology uh, is maintained, ensuring that water continue feeding the water sources. So at the end of the day, you see that these two, they have to work together. They are really in inherently intertwined. Yeah. The other key message I would want to bring on board is uh, the need for integrating them for the sake of long-term resilient water services. Without integrating them, that is when we have challenges of the water services that we have uh, put in place. And then, um, yes, I definitely looking at the experience, for example, from the WASH SDG program, we, 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 we are really calling on the, the different uh, policy formulators, policy implementers, the different stakeholders really are in these respective sectors to, 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 to appreciate this interlinkage and uh, take it to another level uh, to ensure that uh, our interests are all met, but also uh, the, the livelihoods, the, the, the accessibility uh, of these services that we take to the different stakeholders, uh, most especially like communities, uh, are sustained. That would be my, my, my message to the dear listeners out there. Uh, uh, Evelyn, just uh, I can put a bit of challenge here because, uh, well, wash services have said that they are going to uh, address a quick fix of uh, community needs in terms of providing yes. uh, uh, just clean water to communities. Yeah. True. If we take, for instance, the case of agriculture, yeah, which is more in the IWRM sector. 
if you take the case of Ethiopia, it takes 80% of, in at national level, it, it takes 80% of the water available. You see? You see how, how much it takes uh, the limited resource that we have. In a study that we did recently in our intervention area, 95% of the water is diverted to agriculture, okay? If you go to any community, if you, you ask them, the first priority that they need water for is for drinking. When the people are healthy, they can do other activities, be it agriculture or what have you. So such kind of uh, argument has been uh, presented in the case, in our case. And the efficiency related to water use for irrigation is very low. In our case, it's around 40% in addition to uh, the high amount of water use. So it's a kind of uh, uh, dynamics between the two, uh, that's what I would say. Yes. Uh, if I can uh, respond to that, yes. Oftentimes when you look at the different uses, and in that scenario that you're already mentioning, where the priority is ensuring that communities or people have enough water for domestic use. And then the other function should be secondary. Um, of course, when you come in as a practitioner, what you look at is how do you ensure that the different interests are met? So in such a scenario, there's usually an approach uh, that is uh, looking at the water balance in a system. And uh, often what we look at is, for example, if agriculture is consuming more water and this is affecting people who are fetching the water for domestic use, then you look at how much water are they using. Is the approach they are using efficient? If it is not efficient, then introducing an approach that is going to use less water but, but maximize uh, the, 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 the production on farm. And when that comes in, uh, therefore you'll be able to balance the, be, between the different users. At some point, people uh, um, even introducing aspects of the different farms, for example, if the farms are split into small plots for different individuals, they shouldn't get all of them in the same day. Can they have a rotor? You know? So there are different approaches you have to introduce in to ensure that in as much as agriculture is demanding for more water, there should be enough water in the system for uh, the household use. So that is where you come in. For, you have to bring in all the other stakeholders to come and plan and agree, bring in an expert to do the water balance and then advise on which is the best um, effective and efficient approach to ensure that all the users really benefit equally. So you don't need to worry about the other user needs more water, but at the end of the day is planning and ensuring that all the users have enough water. No one is losing out of the balance. Yeah, I partially agree with what, uh, Evelyn, what you said, but yes. see, in theory, you are right. But in practice, in our case, you see every uh, stakeholder involved want to keep its boundary. You see, yeah. there are uh, mandates, for instance, given to uh, agriculture and mandates given to uh, Ministry of Water, Environmental Protection, and what have you in, uh, in integrating posts. So, yes. you see, as you implement, uh, every uh, uh, ministry will want to enforce its uh, roles and responsibility where you have a challenge in balancing uh, the 
demand for different purposes. Yeah, in, in theory, I, I, I completely agree with what you have said, but the challenge that you have in the ground is yes. kinds of uh, roles and responsibilities uh, of different authorities. And and I think that is where, and yes, I, 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 I totally agree with you. And I think that is where our role as the WASHES DG uh, program comes in to bring on board the issue of advocacy identify where there are uh, elements of, uh, you know, uh, imbalance in sharing the water because we all users have rights to that water. So if there is an imbalance, then maybe it calls for the element of advocating for that. And here you will be targeting, of course, the policymakers who are the, 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 the ministries. And then uh, once you approach and, uh, uh, of course, backed up with the different stakeholders and raise such a case, uh, I want to believe it's a starting um, point of, you know, causing change and ensuring that things really work out the way we practitioners would want things to work. Thanks a lot for, to both of you. I mean, I think you both brought up really interesting points. Just following a bit on that trail of thought, both sectors, the WASH sector and the IWRM sector, depend on well-trained specialists. But they're from different disciplines. They use different methodologies, technologies. They have different worldviews and they use this different jargon. This tends to constrain integration or collaboration as they require people to get out of their comfort zone. Is this something that you find? Would you agree or disagree with this? No, 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 I disagree because it's not because of uh, the jargons or constraints or the way they are trained is a challenge in terms of integration and collaboration. It is rather uh, the policy uh, strategy and the stakeholders involved in implementing to address the two needs the challenge. If it's not supported by the policy strategy and programs that we have that reinforce such kind of uh, approach, it's not a problem from the professional side. You see, the gap come out of this uh, issue. The government is now aware of in our case that it's become integrating the two has become uh, an agenda in the uh, policy framework, all now programs and uh, uh, policy programs and strategies are being tried to be implemented in that way. Previously, it was only for WASH stakeholders. Now, the forum has become WASH and IWRM stakeholders, where annually they meet together, discuss, issues related to WASH, and that might link with IWRM in later one. Yes, and I would really want to disagree in the context of Uganda that it's not actually about the policies. For example, in Uganda, we really have smart policies, regulations, and laws that are really taking all these aspects into consideration of, of the need to integrate the different sectors. But practically, when you look at, for example, the flow of funds, most times you find that the percentage allocated to, for example, agriculture or environment is much, much smaller than the percentage allocated to, for example, uh, water development infrastructures. So what happens? In as much as a practitioner is looking at convincing the water sector to, to, to invest some of the money into managing the catchment, this money has not been budgeted for. 
maybe under the water sector, maybe under that specific infrastructure that has been constructed. And this has been the experience a few years ago. That that has, it, it's a process that has to really be emphasized over and over until we achieve uh, the intention that we, we have. But for now, the constraint that is bringing that integration, uh, constraining the integration is because of the budgeting. In as much as the policies are in place, but the money is not there. The, the, the budget for a borehole, it's 50 millions and that's it. Telling them to now add in the budget for tree growing, uh, constructing those uh, three R intervention that are able to retain more water into the system, uh, bringing stakeholders together to plan and agree and have plans in place and implement them, uh, bringing committees that are established and uh, ensuring that they continue raising awareness. It becomes an extra expense and often you find that it will uh, derail them, derail that specific sector like the water sector uh, uh, to, 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 to invest in. So because they have that uh, specialization and they have a target they're supposed to meet, oftentimes it constrains them to really think of now managing the environment. That's really clear. Thanks to both of you. WASH and IWRM need intersectional communication. They all have their own priorities. And I'm going to play the devil's advocate here. Uh, the challenge is more for IWRM than for WASH. Would you agree with this or not? Oh, yeah, I agree. Let me quickly kick before Evelyn take it up. <laughs> you see, WASH is, uh, really, uh, WASH is relatively has a smaller number of organizations as compared to uh, IWR. So uh, even though coordination is uh, a challenge, uh, WASH has really relatively less challenge. In terms of uh, uh, IWRM, there are a lot of uh, uh, organizations, especially from the government side, that needs really uh, kind of... Uh, uh, I, I, I purely... Uh, uh, sorry to cut you short, Mr. Tamene. <laughs> yeah, yes, uh, uh, when you look at WASH and IWRM, intersectional communication, I, I can't say it's a bit a challenge to IWRM than to WASH. I really disagree with that uh, because um, with the event of what is happening, I think it is now that WASH is demanding more of the IWM services than the other way around. i give an example like the, the challenges we are facing with climate change, uh, with the so many changes, the uh, prevalent droughts and uh, the intense rains, which are not even reliable, the unpredictable weather and uh, you know climate conditions, it has messed up the whole thing. In as much as WASH could be having probably sufficient uh, resources budgeted for because of the needs to a very big extent WASH uh, practitioners have come to really appreciate that they really need the services from IWRM. Why? The challenge usually impacts WASH heavily. When there are really floods, the, the, the latrines are flooded. Most of those who have constructed latrines, like I'm talking of the context of the local communities, they flood. There's a lot of waterborne diseases are out of all that. When there are droughts, still wash suffers. The boreholes dry up, the wells dry up, water sources. People have to move long distances, you know, to, to look for the alternative water sources. So it is now that they are really appreciating that actually the impact of climate change is really aggressive on the wash sector that they really need to communicate. 
So that brings us to the end of the podcast. Thank you very much, Evelyn and Tamene, for sharing your experiences and uh, teaching us a bit more about uh, washing IWRM. For me, the main message for, from this podcast was that water sanitation and hygiene should be linked to integrated water resource management. Uh, on the other hand, water quality quantity for wash is dependent on water resource management and also because sanitation service waste can pollute water resources, so definitely interlinked. We need to work with WASH and with IWRM if we want to ensure sustainable WASH services. And it's really important to establish these linkages because they're an integral part if we want to achieve SDG 6 by 2030. For those of you that will be joining Stockholm next week, the WASH SDG programme is presenting several sessions open to the general public. So if you're interested, please check out our social media channels. Uh, that's all the information there for you. And if this podcast opened a little bit of appetite to hear more about WASH and IWRM, be sure to join our session on Water Resource Management for WASH, Strengthening Communities for Climate Resilience. It's on the 24th of August at 10 to 11.30 Central European Summer Time. We look forward to seeing you there. I really enjoyed today's session with Evelyn and Tamene, and I can't wait for our next guests. Thanks for listening to this WASH SDG podcast. Make sure to share the episode and follow the WASH SDG partners on social media to stay tuned for the next episodes. If you haven't already listened to our previous one on WASH and menstrual hygiene management, please check it out. And we're really looking forward to seeing you next time. The WASH SDG podcast is a collaboration of WASH Alliance International, led by Simavi, SMV and Plan International Netherlands. It's all possible thank you to the Dutch Ministry of Foreign Affairs through the Inclusive Green Growth Department.